Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you on this beautiful day. What nice weather for a baptism. It's supposed to be storming out there. So I was thinking this past week, and yeah, I don't, I don't do that too often, but uh, it's almost like I'm forgetting what it was like to be a firefighter. It's been so long. And I was thinking the hardest thing to me about being a firefighter was getting along with the firefighters. It's kind of like church. You don't get to pick who you get to go to church with. And so if you can imagine us being all stationed together, we would come to work at 9 o'clock in the morning, and you would see my face to 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. (laughs) You could go out to your car and go get something, Maybe your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend, they made you breakfast, but there would be four other people sitting right next to you wanting a piece of that. Maybe you bought a donut, and that's it, your donut's gone. And 24 hours, so you don't go anywhere without me. We go shopping with the fire truck because we have to cook lunch and dinner, but we all hop in there. And we all take a ride. If you didn't bring a soda with you, you're not drinking soda to tomorrow morning at probably 9.30. And, like, I'm a super fun guy to be around for like half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like a rash. It's hard to get rid of. And it gets irritating. But firemen are like that. It's hard. But then you come so close, you know everything about them. You know their humor, you take a shower together, you use the bathroom together, you do everything, you work together, you see people at their saddest moment. They could possibly be having the worst day of their life, and yet you see the most amazing things possible. People are always so happy to see us. Little kids are always waving, hey firemen. How are you doing? You know, the reason I was thinking about this is because um, this man I was stationed with for about a year, I actually bought a house at the top of Makakilo, and he lived a block away from me. So not only did we hang out at the station, we started hanging out on our days off because we had new places, help each other install irrigation, uh, help, help each other putting up a wall and, and landscaping and, and gates. And so I remember he had a baby. So he called me up, hey, I have a baby. So I went down to go visit at the hospital. He sees me coming and he, he meets me. He, he walks out to the hallway and he's like, oh, man, I had a son but he has a cleft lip. So for those of you that don't know, a cleft lip is, is a lip that actually doesn't join. So it's open your lip. So you can actually see inside a person's mouth. So I'm like, oh man, that's, that's horrible. 
Is everything else good? Is he healthy? He goes, yeah, everything else is good besides that. So we go in, we talk to his wife, and, and his wife is pretty distraught that their son has a cleft lip. And so my son, when he was born, he actually had a cleft lip and a cleft palate. So he had the same thing. So I'm like, hey, don't worry, because the plastic surgeons came and talked to me, and they said they could fix it, and you would never be able to tell that they had a cleft lip. So that was no comfort to his wife. I could tell she was like super bummed, understandably, as a mom, expecting your first child. But I remember, as I was getting ready to leave, I told her, you know, if you had a choice, would you choose a baby like every other baby? Or would you choose a baby that was special? Because your son is special. She thought about it for a little while, and she said, I think I would choose a special baby. And I was like, that's it right there. Her son is now in his third year at the University of North um, Colorado, Northern Colorado. He uh, plays on their baseball team. He actually lettered four years at Iolani School. He is a big man. He's like six feet tall Japanese, and the dad's shorter than I am. I think he came out special, but I think a lot of times things happen to us. You know, my son never got to have his surgery because he passed away. And I thought, okay, what did I do to deserve this, God? Why did this happen to me? Why didn't it happen to somebody else? A lot of things happen to us, and we can't understand why God would let something happen. This morning, I want to look in the book of Mark, chapter 10, starting in verse 46. This is a story of blind Bartimaeus. So we begin in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a, loud, a large crowd, were leaving the city A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So I think we've all seen beggars. We've seen them on the street corner holding their sign. We see them outside of supermarkets, outside of longs. Just a couple weeks ago on a Sunday... Our normal routine is to go to Walmart and we go to Long's. And a lady was out there and she was asking people for $2. So I like that because usually they don't say anything. They just have a sign saying that they would like something from you. So to me, I was like, okay, two bucks, I can do that. So when we came out, I gave her $2 and there was another man that gave her $2. We put our stuff in the car because my wife wanted to buy me ice cream. (laughs) I must have been a good boy. (laughs) But by the time we put our things in the car, we come back in front of the store, the lady is gone. Like she was sitting there 
on a big towel with a shopping cart full of stuff, and she's gone. And I tell my wife, hey, the lady's gone. And my wife tells me, oh, yeah, she probably went to go buy something. But I'm thinking, wow, was that an angel? How could anybody move and take all their stuff and be gone? I hope that was an angel, because I could use the credit. (laughs) But there's something in a name. Bartimaeus. The bar in his name just means son of Timaeus. But Timaeus means honor. So his name really means son of honor. And I'm thinking, as he's sitting by the roadside begging... Does he feel like a son of honor? He cannot work. Everything he gets by on is what people are willing to give him. Pastor Thomas talked about alms. It was like looked at as like a righteous deed that people would give alms to the poor. So he would be sitting there. So this is one instance where we can all experience what Bartimaeus experienced. I want you to close your eyes. This is what Bartimaeus experienced day in and day out. He had to hear about the Messiah from what people were talking about around him. It's almost like you rely on your other senses when you lose one sense. He must have heard the story about Jesus getting in a boat going across the lake. And there's a wild man over there. They couldn't even chain him. He would break the chains. And Jesus went over there and he cast the demons out of the man. And that that man was normal. Maybe it was a story he heard about the lady who had been bleeding for 12 years. She went to every doctor. No solution could be found. But she believed that if she could just reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed, and she was. Maybe it was the story of Jesus walking with his disciples one day. They saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked Jesus, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither his parents nor this man sinned, Jesus replied. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Go ahead, open your eyes.
So Bartimaeus hears about Jesus, the coming Messiah. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth coming by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Isn't that how we can be? Sometimes as Christians. Hey, be quiet. You're disrupting our service. You came in at 9.05. You shouldn't get Jesus' attention. Oh, that person is always sitting behind Pastor Thomas sucking up. (laughs) Oh, that's the kid that always takes the donut with sprinkles on it. And I want that. Isn't that how we can be? Hey, be quiet. Don't bother him. But let's look at what Jesus does. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Jesus didn't walk over there to Bartimaeus. He actually activated the believers and the non-believers to you guys go over there and call him. So this is what they said to Bartimaeus. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Look at Bartimaeus' response. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. So can you imagine the belief in Bartimaeus that he would put his, his cloak out and that's where they would all throw their money and he would gather it. But he believed so strongly that Jesus could heal him, that he flew his coat, he jumped up, and he went right to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Out of all the things that he could ask for, he just asked that his vision would be restored so that he wouldn't have to beg. He wouldn't have to rely on people. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The thing that sticks out to me about Bartimaeus is that he was physically blind. But he wasn't blind spiritually. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew that Jesus would heal him. And when he heard that Jesus was passing by. He didn't hesitate. He called out with everything he had. He didn't care that people were telling him to shut up, be quiet, because he wanted Jesus to do something for him. Sometimes 
We can physically see, but we miss things in the spirit. You know, there's a, a, a lady that just started coming to our, our Ohana group. And she actually used to come to this church. She hasn't been here for, I don't know, over a year. But she came because somebody else who started coming to our Ohana group invited her. And she has a lot of things going on. She was in a car accident. You know, she has mean pain all the time, migraine headaches. They found out that she has tumors on her brain. And at first they thought it was cancerous, so they tell her, you have brain cancer, you're going to die. So she was panicked. But then they found out, okay, it's not cancerous, it's just a tumor we have to see. But she's very sensitive to light. She says sometimes at home she has to stay in the dark. And her kids, she has three young kids, have to come into the dark to, to come talk to her. So we were discussing last week's message about Lent, about fasting. And we all shared what we would fast uh, for Lent. And, and she shared, you know, I think I want to fast from negativity. Because there's so much negative things out there. She shared that one thing she doesn't like about church is that we're all a bunch of hypocrites. We never have anything nice to say to each other. Or, or we act like we're, we like you, but then we're talking stink behind your back. I thought, wow, what a great idea. Fast from negativity. You know, in this life, we get bombarded by all kind of negative things. My wife, she loves to watch the news. I hate watching the news. There's only bad things. It, like, sets my, my mind off in, in a bad direction. But she loves the news. What if this glass vase represented ourselves? And the things that we go through during the day, people telling us, you're not good enough. <laughs> Why are you wearing that dress? You look horrible in it. You'll never amount to much. Or you're just a sinner. You're a Jezebel. Or we're in a relationship. And we just so love each other. But then how does that love turn to hate? And we say the meanest things to each other. I hate you. No one will ever love you. They don't know how you are. 
our lives get filled up with negativity. You're never good enough. You're too fat. You're too skinny. And that's who we, we become. We're just bombarded with negativity all the time. But Jesus provides a solution. He said, all you who are thirsty, ask me for the living water, and I will fill you up, and you won't thirst anymore. So we come to church, and Pastor Thomas says, start reading your Bible, one chapter a day. Five days a week, two days off, you can reflect. And so you do. You're like, oh, okay. I feel a little better, but it doesn't seem like it's making a difference. We have to fill ourselves with God. We have to spend time with him in prayer, talking to him, letting him talk to us. And as we fill ourselves with his living water, all the negativity will start coming out of our lives. Yet sometimes we stop there. We're like, oh, I'm good. I'm like way better than I was. You should have seen me before I started coming to church. And we stop. But when people see us, what do they see? Do they see that Holy Spirit in us? Or do they just see the negative thoughts in us? The negativity. And how do we act? Are we still hypocrites? That's why we have to stay focused and fill ourselves up, day in and day out, so all that negativity will be out in Jesus' name. You know, the thing about being filled with Jesus is that we're still going to get bombarded with negative things, negative words. But once we're full, these negative thoughts, they don't stick to us. They don't stick to us. They just, on the top, they bounce right off. This morning, we're going to have a treat for you. I have uh, Kaya Bailey and Jordan. They're going to play a song. And it kind of speaks about surrender. Sometimes we have hurts that are so deep that we don't want to surrender them to God. And God is willing to take them. But it just hurts so much. Read in the paper. 
all those kids shot to death for no reason. I read of sexual misconduct. A big lawsuit was just settled. A lot of those adults, they were my classmates in high school, and I didn't even know they were getting molested by someone who was hired to help them. I mean, deep things that I think we try to suppress. And I feel that God wants us to surrender it. So if you, if you guys would come up here. This song is actually a prayer of surrender, of coming to a place where you can say, okay, God, I completely surrender everything to you. Would you take it and make me new?
You know, I um, actually didn't know that Kaya could sing. <laughs> I was talking to Thomas one day, and he's like, I wonder if those three girls sing. So two weeks ago, I asked a gentleman who had come with them, hey, can the sisters sing? And he goes, no, but Kaya can. So I, I just talked to her after service, and I said, Kaya, I'm going to preach in a couple of weeks. Would you sing this song? She had never heard that song. Her and Jordan, they put in so much work. I just, I just love their heart. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That was beautiful. My wife and I, we were on vacation about a month ago. We're eating in a hotel. It's kind of like an upgrade at McDonald's. You go order your food and you sit down. So we're waiting to see a show one evening, so we, we go and, and we have uh, two hamburgers, two sodas, and french fries. So we're sitting there, and, uh, you know, she pays for it. She's so sweet. <laughs> but I'm looking at the receipt, and it's just bothering me that it costs $40. And so I'm trying to, we're on vacation. I'm trying not to ruin the mood, but it's just like 40 bucks, two French fries and, and sodas and hamburger. I didn't even get a hamburger. I got a black bean burger. I think a can of beans is pretty cheap, right? And, and so I couldn't help myself. I start whining, knowing that uh, I'm taking my chance. I might ruin the night. But she said something to me that stopped me dead in my tracks. She looked at me and she said, you're worth it. I was like stunned, speechless. It was a Kodak moment. I didn't have anything to say. So my wife starts a new job at the end of January. She had wanted this job for 17 years. So she's been praying, God, would you just give me that job? I can't believe it, that someone would pray for something for 17 years. And I'm secretly thinking, give it up already. We're like old. I get a senior discount in a lot of places. But she gets the job, but the only thing is that it's in downtown Honolulu. So I tell her, well, you must really want that job if you're going to catch the bus to work. So she finds out she gets the job in December. So I feel like God's telling me, drive her to work. And I'm like, what? Are you crazy? I hate traffic. But he keeps telling me that. Drive her to work. And so I'm bargaining with God. I was like, okay, I'll take her in the morning, and then she can catch the bus home in the afternoon. But he says, no, I want you to take her and bring her home. So we come back, and, and I hold off to, like, 
four days before she actually starts her new job. And I tell her, honey, I think I'm going to take you to work. And she goes, what? No, you don't have to. And I was like, no, I, I, think, I, I think I want to. Because I feel like God wants her to know that she's worth it. So I've been sitting in traffic for between three to four and a half hours every day. So I actually have a part-time job now. <laughs> I always remember to bring her a lollipop after work, because that thing lasts almost to Pearl City. It's amazing. But I feel like that's what God wants you folks to know. That you folks are worth it to him. That he would send his son to die on the cross because you're worth it. That you're so special. And a lot of times, we have baggage that we don't want to let go. And God would say, it's for freedom that I came to set you free. Would we just surrender and just be free and just let the love flow? Would you pray with me?